Hello and welcome to the weekly football review show with myself, Gav Mack, and a new guest today in the shape of Steve Bucky. Um, it's going to be quite hard for me doing the show today because I'm an Arsenal fan, as everybody knows, and he's a Tottenham fan, and I didn't think this would ever, ever happen on Two Up Top, well, in particular, anytime soon, but it has this time. We're recording this live from Stalker Studio, as we do all the time. It's actually an additional show that we're doing this week because of everything that's happened with uh, the midweek fixtures. So um, I think the first place we need to start, oh, before I start, actually, uh, big shout out to the Mail Coach, one of our main sponsors, my favourite boozer in the whole of Northampton, and to Mikhail Sports Bar and Grill in New York, West 51st and 8th. So anytime you're in New York, go say hi to cabs and there, get yourself a beer down there. So, um, yeah, let's... Um, we're going to have to talk about a few situations. There's going to be a few far bits. I'm going to have to talk about Arsenal. What are Everton? But to begin with, there is some breaking news today uh, that Chelsea's transfer ban has been lifted and they are free to sign players as of January. What are your thoughts on that, Bucky? Uh, me personally, I actually think this is probably the worst possible outcome mm-hmm. for Frank Lampard and for Chelsea with the current momentum that they got going. Yeah. Um, you look at the way that club's moving at the minute, they've got a really good core of young players that have played together. They've been down through the youth ranks together and mm-hmm. come up. They've won leagues, Champions Leagues at yeah. youth level. FA Cups at youth level as well. You know, So this is a, a squad which has got harmony, it's got balance, it's got some diamond, dynamism in there mm. and they know each other and like each other and they'll play for each other. For Frank Lampard to come into that equation and... I personally believe he probably only got the job really because they couldn't go out and buy anyone. Therefore, no big name. Yeah, there was no. Yeah, like there was there was no there was no risk in that in no. that management um, selection. It was a free season. It was go in, do whatever you can. If you get some success for this season, great. If you don't, don't yeah, worry about well, it. Don't worry about it. We'll blame Allegri's you. Can't waiting. Buy anyone. <laughs> um, now that they can actually go out and buy players, and I'm sure Frank will probably want to address. Probably left back as a main, I was as a main issue. Say, yeah, that's, that is quite a big issue. I mean, like um, uh, Alonso only seems to be good in that position when they're playing three at the back. He's not a very good left back. He's a le- better left wing back. Emerson injuries sometimes get in the way, and then they end up playing Aspilicueta, who's naturally a right back yep. at left back. So, I mean, like, who who do you reckon they could go out and get? I think he will probably want to go out and look at players like Ben Chilwell mm-hmm. over at Leicester, um, but it's. A challenge to find someone who's going to fit within that existing team structure, that existing team dynamic. Mm. Um, is it the right thing to do, even to go out and add to that squad? Apart from left back, is there anywhere else? No, they're pretty covered everywhere can, else. You know, change. like I think they're, they're most of their back four seems pretty astute. I mean, like. Zuma, who would have thought that he'd be able to come back and actually make a difference? They've still got Rudiger out injured at the moment. Uh, Chris Jansen. I've always liked him anyway when he first started coming through. He got much, much more comfortable playing in a solid centre-half uh, position as a three rather than as a two. Ooh, Chris Jansen. Yeah. yeah, he looked much better last year, especially um, at times when David Luiz was still there. And this is why I thought that David Luiz actually be able to do a job at Arsenal in a back three, not a back four. We'll talk about Arsenal later on. Um, Chelsea, I think they've got everything that they need. They've got all the tools now to, to try and... Uh, well, at least go for second because we all know that Liverpool could run away and win the league. I can't. I can't. I, think they will. I, I can't don't think see. Going to catch them no, I can't see it no. happening. Um, but like, you know, who would have thought that Tammy Abraham would lead the line when they've got Michi Bashawai and Giroud? Giroud, who still starts for France as well. But so, if they, they don't need to strengthen there, no. they're only going to play one through the middle. So they've got their three that they need. Um, you got Callum Hudson Odoi. You still got off his cheek out injured. He's due to come back. True. So midfield, they're, they're sorted defensively and going forwards. You know, I I think this could this could be quite a bad thing for, for Frank. I agree. And I think he'll be judged now on what happens in this next transfer window. Mm-hmm. If he goes into the transfer window and he buys one player, two players, three players that change that dynamic with the team at the moment... And the dynamic suddenly means that the team doesn't progress. It starts to regress a little bit because yeah. players take time to settle in. And if you've got an existing group already and then you add to that with some new personalities, mm-hmm. it will take time to adapt. Mm. 
if Frank starts to get judged on results, then then he's almost had something shoot him in the foot, which yeah, is completely unplanned for. Yeah. Um, and actually, probably uncalled for. We've there's been a lot of criticism over Chelsea over the last probably the last ten years. Really, it's been a club that's bought a lot of players. In many cases, stockpiling so many players that they've got so more out on loan. Well, they, yeah, have yeah, they've got about, about ninety odd players out on loan. I think I think it's only um, I think it's only Juve and Palmer that have got more players out on loan wow. than Chelsea, which is ridiculous. I should I'm going to have a look at that stat. Um, Chelsea did get a good result over, uh, during the week. Um, they beat Aston Villa two one. Tammy Abraham. <laughs> to, to rub salt a little bit into the Villa wounds um, scored 25 goals in the league for, for Villa last season and uh, and yeah he um, he opened the scoring no celebration though so he obviously still has a little little soft spot for for uh, for Aston Villa Reese James with the assist is another decent young player who's coming through now um, Trezeguet he uh, was a bit of a sloppy finish, but it was a lovely bit of build-up play between uh, El Mohamedi and uh, McGinn. Uh, Grealish was involved in that move as well. But then they they took the lead with another fantastic bit of link-up play with Tammy Abraham showing that he's a real like he can be a target man as well and hold a ball down. He's chested the ball down for Mason Mount. He's, he's absolutely smashed it. Um, so yeah, Chelsea. I feel sorry for Villa. I don't yeah. think I don't think the league table really tells a story as to where they where they should be, but you you can only beat what's in front of you. Um, you can't be leading or or bringing uh, games back to to level terms and and not be able to finish your dinner. I think that's what what the issue is with Villa. I think it's been quite a challenge for him stepping up. Um, I mean, the gap between coming up as a Championship club moving into the Premier League is a massive gap, despite various payment incentives from parachute payments for clubs that have come down. It's still a massive gap to try and bridge. Yeah. Um, and historically, you might have had one of those clubs out of the three that have hit a really good early patch of form early enough in the league season mm-hmm. that has meant that when other teams start to get used to how they play and how to pick them off, that actually that kind of decline in the number of points they're getting per game yeah. has still seen them survive. Yeah, I mean, like at the moment, you know, if they if they track, um, you know, a point a game, which is what they're doing at the moment, they're currently in sixteenth after fifteen games, fifteen points, only a point as it stands above the relegation zone. But if they get thirty eight points, I think thirty eight points is safe. It used to be forty, but thirty eight is I pretty think safe. Thirty eight should be safe. I think they should stay up this season. They should survive. Um, their their issue really is goals. Yeah, I don't see an out and out goal scorer in their ranks. Mm-hmm. Um. There's certainly some creativity there within the squad, but I think they rely too heavily on Grealish. Yeah. Um, McGinn, I really like as a player. I think he's love a very John McGinn. good player. We all love him on this show. We love John McGinn. I think he's uh, he's definitely someone who can who can move forwards to a, to a bigger club. They were talking on um, on the radio the other day about Jack Grealish. Why is he not in the England squad? But the question is. Who do you who do you drop exactly that? And maybe it's because Jack Grealish hasn't found his actual position yet. You'll find him coming back between two centre halves to win the ball. You'll find him on on the wide left trying to ping a ball into the middle. You find him in behind the striker. Look, literally, he hasn't got a position. He is a, a free man to do whatever he wants, which is probably a hindrance to him. I see a lot in Grealish that's very similar to a very young Luka Modric. Yeah, technically very good on the ball. Um, not a lot of goals to his name, mm. not a lot of assists to his name, mm. and I don't see his position long term being one that's going to be this number ten that we keep yeah, kind of throwing yeah, yeah. him in at. Not like a Madison or no, or a Mount. he's not a Madison. He's not a Mount. Madison makes far more runs into the box yeah. than what Grealish does. Operates and likes to operate much further up the pitch in terms of that transition of play. Mm. Grealish, I see to be more effective as you move him deeper in and become that kind of pivot to come out of yeah. defence and actually start the build-up of the play. Mm-hmm. So a little bit like what they used to describe as Modric's being, he didn't get the assist, he got the assist of the assist. Of yeah, the assist of course. Of, that's yeah. how it works. Yeah. But you have to build a team around him. 
I don't mm. think you could throw him into the England setup at all. You're not going to drop him for the likes of Mason Mount or Madison. They're on fire at the minute. And Deli Ali starts to show a bit of form again. And like for me, he's one of the first people to put on the team sheet now. After I was the first person saying, right, he's nothing anymore. You know, he's, he's, he's at his time. But he's, he's, he's come back under Mourinho and he's looked the absolute part. I think those, those two players are almost on the complete opposite sides of, of the path. Yeah. Deli, when he was under Pochettino, was playing deeper and deeper in that midfield. And mm. was seen more as, as this combative central midfielder that they were going to try and shape him into which and is not his game it's not his game he's not he does have an edge to his game which is very true he's yeah. a little bit like Rooney in that respect he has to play on that little temper limit yeah. of what you can do um, but he's much better further up the pitch almost playing as a shadow striker yeah being there, being available for the ball and playing those one-twos off of a target man like a Harry Kane. Yeah, of course. And those late ghosting runs into the box. And, and then Jack sure. Greenish hasn't really got that. No. You know, Wesley is not good enough, in no. my opinion. Trezeguet, yes, he might have got the equaliser, but he isn't good enough he's for not me either. It, no, he's there's, not. They, I think Villa, if they have got any money to, to spend, that's what they should go out and do. Um, Liverpool 5 Everton 2 that was the game on Wednesday night all the games were on Amazon Prime this week um, what were your thoughts about Amazon Prime? Um, I think it's certainly a new format that would open up the doors to a lot more people potentially yeah um, as an Amazon Prime person I quite like the fact that my seven ninety nine suddenly gave me the football games oh, fair enough yeah moment. you've got to look it up on that side of things <laughs> yeah I never actually thought of it that side um, I, I, I watched um, the, the games over, over the, the last couple of days I don't have an issue with it. There was a bit of lag on Wednesday, but yesterday, you know, it was. I thought it, I thought it was fine. Um, Liverpool, they just can't stop winning. Um, Fifteen games, fourteen wins, and a draw. Almost Palermo style form, and um, they are top of the uh, top of the table by eight points. Um, what a first half of football! I'll have to say that because the <laughs> second half was pretty turgid. <laughs> Um, Mane what, what I have to say as well is the, um, the what they did before the game with the, the minute silence you know the, the, the justice for the 96 there's still no verdict on that and I, I can't even imagine what the families are going through especially with the news that happened that happened last week um, but into the game Mane was definitely on it weren't he uh, he is he is amazing. What a yeah. footballer, you know. And everyone took the mick out of Liverpool when they signed him from Southampton. So you, you look at you Mane and Salah and Firmino, and for me, those front those front three epitomise a clock player. Yeah, pacey, aggressive, intelligent with space. Mm. And very keen to press. Yeah. And that's everything that Klopp tries to put into place. It's swashbuckling, isn't it? And that's exactly what he was doing when he was at Dortmund. That's what he tried to introduce in Mainz. In his first season at Mainz, he got them into seventh. Who are like, and they who are should have never been there. They should, no. <laughs> to be honest, the success that he had at Dortmund, yeah. they shouldn't have been there either. No. He was very clever with how he put that squad together at Dortmund. Mm. They massively overachieved. And there's no surprises for me that when he left, they went through that period of... Yeah, they point, went through... Uh, uh, yeah. Okay, Lewandowski and Gotze were probably their two best players and losing those yeah, at that time true. is always going to have an impact but he's very clever in how he wants to go and piece the team together mm. they all follow the same kind of structure this very high press that he attributes back to uh, I think it was Arrigo Saki that he was yeah. that, that was his main influence and all his teams have followed it and that's led him to have a strategy in the transfer market. Yeah. Everything that he's bought has been bought with a purpose and a reason behind it. And that has developed that team mm -hmm. massively. And that um, he's been allowed the time to make the changes. And yeah. he, he wanted to win a league title. And to be fair, he said in four seasons, this is season number five. Yeah. And to be fair, if it wasn't for an absolute a miracle season as far as Man City is concerned. Oh, they would, they would have stormed they it. Should have well. it they, they should have won it last year. They should have won it. It's yeah. a travesty for me that... Liverpool missed out yeah. on what was what a point. Yeah, yeah, it is absolutely. Well, to score ninety seven points in a season and not win a league title is yeah. unheard it's, of. Anyway, it will never happen again. It no, won't. I can't see it happening. Um, he's got to two Champions League finals in in the last two seasons as well. I think that really stakes his claim to to keep his job. I'm not saying that is any danger of losing it, but I don't know whether Liverpool fans would have been aggrieved without the Champions League. Uh, exploits that they haven't won the league and that's what they wanted and that's what they need they haven't won it since 1990 this year is I think they'll be fine this year um, 
there was a couple of uh, there's a couple of flashpoints in the game. Uh, Robertson on Davies when he was already down, looked like an elbow in the head. Uh, the referee didn't really um, didn't do anything about that. And then there was uh, Trent's um, Trent Alexander Arnold stamp on Richarlison. I say stamp, he sort of like come down and. No, he's stamped. Oh, no, 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 I'm not going to try and not going to try and say it the other way. And VAR is there to look after these sort of things, and I'm not, I'm not a big fan of VAR anyway. Everyone knows. Jury's out for me still with VAR. Um, I, I still, it's funny. I was having a conversation um, with uh, an ex-professional referee the other day, actually, trying mm. to understand why VAR seems to come in on certain aspects of the game and mm. why it doesn't come in on other elements of the game. Um, and the flashpoint we were talking about was the Chumwin Sun incident and the foul on Andre Gomez. Oh, yes, of course, yeah. And I don't understand the the ambiguity in the grey area whereby VAR is only going to come in and overrule if it's a clear and obvious error. Yeah. Well, where do you draw the line with a clear and obvious error? Yeah. Because there's... ultimately the referee's decision is final and mm. actually he's the person that has final say in whatever's going on in the game. Mm -hmm. Theoretically, yes, if the referee's even in the correct position in and the game is under good control mm -hmm. and there's got good sight lines, he can make a very informed decision and very quickly. And nine yeah. times out of ten, that is the right decision. Oh, well, yeah, I think the referees get decisions right on, on a lot more occasions than people suggest. Yeah. Um, but there, there was a couple um, of other situations. What I'll do, I'll... Um, so I, I want to talk about where VAR, in my opinion, has gone wrong um, and where it's gone... No, it's gone wrong. Um, I'm, I'm Semi-right. Um, so, um, and that, that comes in the Leicester game. So there was, there was another situation. Um, Van Dyke on Calvert-Lewin, no penalty given. Um, uh, Richarlison on Shakiri. He got a yellow card for that one, which is correct. But then again, should it have been a red yeah, I didn't look at that, but it was it 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 was uh, it was real barnstorming performance from Liverpool. They they should not have conceded, but they, they have, again, that's there's no clean sheets this season in in the Premier League. Um, Origi scored a brace with the second one though from a direct long ball from um, Lovren. People will slate teams for playing long ball football, but I'm not being funny. That is like a, a Franz Beckenbauer pass. Or, or I'll tell you what it reminded me of, actually. World Cup 98, when, um, um, what's that, Frank de Boer played that long ball over. It weren't as good a finish as Dennis Bergkamp's mind. But it's just like, just a vision to look up and see your man on the run and just ping it. But he's, he's took it out of out, out the air and he's, he's slotted it home absolutely fantastically. And that made it 3-1. I think uh, it's an underused tactic now. I mean, particularly when you're looking at, um, we were talking off air around how teams and this evolution of the defensive midfielder has changed. Mm. Teams now are really starting to push on this high press. You see more and more teams pressing high yeah. rather than dropping back into shape and filling that space to prevent that long ball. So for me, I think the long balls are an underused tactic that can really catch a defence, particularly... Especially if you've got a really pacey striker. If you've got like a, a, a Jamie Vardy as your striker, yeah. then, you know, use it. You know, but, I mean, let's, let's use it to great effect with the year where they won the well, title. Well, they won the title, yeah, they did. I thought, I, th I, I, I think if as long as you're not just like doing like a Burnley and just like just hoofing the ball at, you know, and then just hoping that Chris would be able to knock it down or something. I, I think that's what sort of like takes your mindset away of like how good and effective a long ball can be. But I mean, like, even Spurs at the weekend, is, well, like, exactly. You I mean, know. you've got the goal that came through was. What a long ball straight off of the back of Alderweireld, I think it was. Yeah, it was Alderweireld. Yeah, Son knocked it down, and there it was. I thought that was. I looked at that thinking, what a pass. Not but thinking, oh, it's football. It. I mean, there is a place for it, and yeah. I think there are certainly. I think there should be more teams. I think focusing on trying to play a little bit more direct and stay mm. more compact. If you look at back through the Premier League, when teams have come up and tried to change their approach, uh, and I'm thinking teams like Stoke. Yeah, Stoke were. Solid as a team. Yeah. yeah. There was not a team in the Premier League that wanted to go to Stoke. Oh, no. Way, not at all. Because they knew what they were in for. Yeah. They knew Rory Delap was going to be lobbing them in from the heart. And then when he left, Ryan Shotton started doing it. <laughs> and they were very direct. And they were good with what they did. They got it down to an art form and it kept them as a stable Premier League club. Yeah. The moment they changed from that approach and became a more... We need to try and play total football. Play total football. They went down. Yeah. So there is a place for it. Mm -hmm. Um there's certainly teams that I think would benefit more from it and the more that we see this high press I 
think that it should be an element that could come into the game more often that could be really effective. Yeah, definitely. Um, Everton, they um, did score two goals. Um, one of them, Michael Keane, uh, Iwobi's ball into the box. So that was well, a great goal. But Richarlison's header... There's two diving headers in two games and he's scored in three away games, well, three consecutive away games yep. now as well. Um, all through diving. All through diving, yeah, yeah pretty much. Um, and then <laughs> Wijnaldum scored right at the end uh, to make it 5-2. But in the wake of that, Everton did lose their manager and it's no surprise in it our weekly in. section of What Are Everton, what are they... what are they looking to achieve now? Because I, I don't know... I don't know why they're not looking internally, although it's been said and quoted that Eddie Howe said it would be uh, Everton are an embarrassment at the moment. Why would he want to join Everton? And I think he's been listening to the show every week, Eddie Howe. <laughs> I, think, I think it's a great bit of uh, judgment on his part, to be honest. It's a, it's a shame because I look at Everton as a club, and I mean, from the if you go back to mid late mid late eighties, yeah. Through to the early 90s, Everton were a powerhouse. Oh, God, yeah, We're yeah. talking league champions, FA Cups. They were unlucky they were that the good. Heusel disaster happened because they were going to be playing European Cup football that 85-86 yeah. season. And I reckon they would have won it. They, they because English football was so powerful and dominant in the 70s and 80s. They would, they would have gone on and won yeah. that. But what's happened since then... I mean, they've only won the last trophy. I think was nineteen ninety five. Yeah, Paul Ryder. Paul Ryder one nil against Man United. United, I think. Yeah. And so throughout all that time, where have they gone? And they have stagnated. Um, they've become essentially like some middle aged old man that's gradually <laughs> put on weight throughout <laughs> his thirties and has got to forty. And everyone's gone. It's all right. You're all right to be a little bit on the fat and podgy side now. Don't worry about it. You don't need to yeah, exercise. Get, yeah. And the cycle continues. You know, we've got to be really brutal. They were a powerhouse. They should be more successful than what they are. Even Spurs have been and won a trophy in the time it's taken between Everton. Yeah. That's shocking. Absolutely shocking. Yeah, it says a lot. I mean, like David Moyes looks like um, he's a, a clear favourite as it stands as well. But then they're looking a little bit further afield into, into Pereira. Over at Shanghai Shenua. And he's not really done anything either. You look I through his CV, okay, he's got a bit of success at Olympiacos, but he appears to be very much another journeyman. Yep. And I really question where the board has taken Everton Football Club. Hence the weekly se section on the show, What Are Everton? They've got a lot of money. You know, they've got um, stadium plans. They've got a massive, massive following Global to a degree. Yeah. I think they're the sixth most or seventh most um, successful team in England ever. You know, so it's like they're they're a big team, they are big but they don't. They don't think like a big team. No, they don't. The mentality is it's all is wrong. Not there, they are currently in the relegation zone. I know it's relatively early in the season, but they are in the relegation zone. They're a point adrift from Southampton and Villa. But if they, like, and the form they're showing at the minute is oh, relegation form. It is, and they've got Chelsea at the weekend. Well, you look at their next run of fixtures and they've got Chelsea, they won't get anything out of that no. one. You're then looking at Man United away, Ugh. Leicester at home, Ugh. you're not getting anything out of that one. Arsenal at home. Might get something maybe, there. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Definitely get something uh, there. I'll certainly be cheering every time for that one. <laughs> Burnley at home. See, that's a tough game that's as tough well. Game. Burnley don't travel well, but... They stay so compact. Well, they did it when they went down to Watford only a couple of weeks ago. They were like, right, okay, we were thinking, oh, yeah, they don't do very well at home, uh, away from home. And they went down there and, and bagged three. And then you're looking at Newcastle away and then Manchester City at home on the 1st of January. And all of a sudden, you're into 2020, I don't reckon they're going to get more than three points out of that. I, I, I reckon, yeah, I reckon, and that'll be three draws. And if they're, if they're lucky, that'll be Newcastle, Burnley and Arsenal. That's the only one who can't pick up anything. Yeah, from. I can't see him getting and any points. In I the think at that point, they will be in serious trouble and there will be gaps that will start to appear in the league. Mm. And they'll struggle to get out of it, particularly without a proven goal scorer. And it's something that they do have issues with. Uh, apparently there's a little talk of uh, Ancelotti going there as well. That is quite funny. That'd be a miracle if he <laughs> goes there and turns around. Yeah. Um, Leicester 2, um, Watford nil. Leicester, it took a little while for them to get going, but they are just 
They're a joy to watch, aren't they? I love watching Leicester. Oh, me too. I really They've got everything right. You know, their back four, their midfield, like three slash five, if you want to call it up with Perez and, 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 and Harvey Barnes on the left, and then Jamie Vardy. They've got the perfect balance. I like what they've done. And everything they've done has been with a purpose. Yeah. yeah. There was a lot of kind of nervousness when they started to sell off some of their big players once they'd won the Premier League. But, but actually, they've reinvested that money again. Mm-hmm. They've recruited well. They've got a superb manager. Oh, in. definitely. Um, you know, we could all you know, poo-poo a little bit this, the Celtic trebles and trebles that they've won. But you've still got to go trophies. and do it. You've and got to go and do it. He was still reasonably successful at Liverpool. I mean, yeah. that team that he was playing with at Liverpool was nowhere near what they've got now. No, and they should not have been that close to winning the title yeah. with that. With that, so like, you sure? He knows what he's doing. He gets teams to play really well, mm. um, and they're doing that. They've got a lovely balance of youth. Mm-hmm. The structure's good. Left and right hand side is nice and equally balanced off. Mm-hmm. There's no kind of single pivot where they're all weighted on one side of the pitch. They've got a ball playing centre half and a chopper. So they've yep. got the nice balance there. They've, they've got, got a solid goalkeeper, goalkeeper. Solid goalkeeper. Mm. And I, I even like the centre-half that's come through. Signed you. I mate, him. I love him. I absolutely love him. love him. I think he's quality, mate. And what I love about Sancho, he even though he, he's the, the ball-playing guy, but he's pacey. And he yep. doesn't allow... like. It, he won't allow someone to just run past him so easily. He's a very strong guy. He's, he's got a lovely little edge about his game as well, yeah. which is what you look for with characters and leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need that in a side. If you're going to be successful, we all kind of go, oh, you know what? You shouldn't have the professional fouls in the game. No, you need, you need that sometimes. You have to have them. And someone has got to be the person that stands up and says, the rubber of the green isn't going our way today, boys. We're not playing very well. He's not going through one-on-one with the goalkeeper. I'll take him down. I'll take a booking for it. You yeah. have to have that in the game. It's the only way. People always talk about as well that, um, you know, best right back in the league. We always talk about Trent Alexander-Arnold. And in my opinion, he probably is. But can we just take a moment to think about Ricardo, Ricardo Pereira? He is incredible. And he's yep. got a ping on him. And he, he could do every, He can drive down the wing he could come inside he he doesn't make mistakes you know he's arguably the the most like complete right back in the league yeah. because his defensive side is he's equally as good yeah but i think defensively he's better than what the others are mm. i don't think he's quite got the same effect going forward as what trent alexander has no. got he's got far more to his game in terms of goals mm-hmm. and assists um but defensively i think Definitely. Yeah. Without I, I think he needs a lot more love. Um, Vardy got tripped by uh, Mariapa in the box uh, in the first half. Um, straight away, the referee gave a yellow card and a free kick, yellow card for simulation. It's gone to VAR, and you can clearly see that his foot has been taken out. Contact. And their, the decision wasn't overturned. This is what does moaning about VAR. And this is where I get confused. Where do you draw the line? Um... I, f- I kind of feel a little bit for the referees in this because for you to make the right decision as a referee, you need to have all of the tools and all the information that's around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're missing one big element, which is Pitch they like can't go to the screens. Yeah. Why? I think because if you go anywhere else in world football where they've got VAR, they have got the screen. What they'll do, a little word will come from upstairs or wherever they are. Um, Hi, referee. I think you need to look at that. So it's like, okay, I'll wait till the ball goes out of play. Ball goes out of play. He runs over. He has a little look. He'll be like, nah, still not a pen for me. All right, off we go. Or, yeah, that's definitely a pen. You know, just just allow the referees to referee the game. And that is even with VAR. And I think if they do that, then I'm not going to say I'm going to convert because I don't think I will, but I'll be more sympathetic towards a match official in those situations. Decisions are taken away from them. So they have no control anymore. It's like, oh yeah, um, I'm just going to stand there. What do you think it is? It's a penalty, is it? Oh, okay. You know, yeah. it, just, uh, it doesn't make any sense for me. It doesn't make any sense. Um, a penalty was given later on in the game, which I thought was really soft, actually. Um, Messina on Evans, really soft given. Vardy takes it. Vardy doesn't miss pens. Well, he does. It's very, very rare. Um, and then Madison, right at the end, seven wins from seven for Leicester, eight points behind Liverpool. I think if Liverpool do drop points, it's going to be in Jan- in in December. If they don't, it's more for the fixture congestion than anything else. I, I think the, the more realistic time when they'll start to drop points is towards the 
I think the last quarter of the season when they're and, deep in the Champions League yeah once you start getting success and they'll be coming back from club world championships mm-hmm. as well yeah that's really going to stretch that squad thin mm. and although I think Klopp has obviously tried to not so much put the brakes on but throttle them back slightly with the intensity of the game well, it, in um, this first half even even uh, rested Firmino and uh, Firmino Ox and Salah like they were all on on the bench for this game so I think that's why the result was such a shock um, shock for them um, but Leicester they just need to keep plugging away and doing what they're doing uh, I can't see them winning the title I, I don't think we never real. thought that was going to happen in 15-16 <laughs> true, true but everyone else in 15-16 was dreadful yeah um, but I can't see them winning the title. I think the gap is too big at the minute. Liverpool as a squad are, are too strong. Mm-hmm. Um, the only risk for me is if there is a Liverpool-style self-implosion. But yeah. I think under Klopp and the way that team is at the minute, it's I can't now, see that it? happening. Yeah. I, can't see, I think they'll win the title, probably maybe even 10 points clear. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, Watford, on the other hand, 11 managers in the last seven years, including one twice. Watford is an embarrassment as a club. Um, they're so bad <laughs> they're dreadful and there's nothing about any of the recruitment whether or not it's players or managers there that makes sense of what they're doing there's no structure there's no strategy in their approach they are dreadful and for mm. me they'll go down yeah they will um Manchester United 2, Tottenham 1. Uh, it's the first time that Marino has been back to Old Trafford um, as a manager since uh, since being dismissed from Manchester United. I actually am quite annoyed by this result. It sounds weird as a gooner, but I had Spurs to win that for me, little hacker. Uh, I had us down to lose that, um, but I was one goal off. Which is a bit of a shame. Oh, well, you said three one. Yeah, I don't think it, I don't think That's it was going to be. I don't think it was going to be as bad as that. I think Man United are just um, they're, they're they're. I'm not going to say they're in transition. I don't think they know what they're doing. I'm not going to make a Man United section on the show, but I, th- I think they not, do know what they're doing. You, you I think, think they do know what they're doing. Uh, Jerry is going to tell more next month when the window opens. Yeah, I think Ollie's starting to get some shape, and actually, there's not a lot of change that I think needs to happen at United for them to start to really climb the league. The goalkeeper is still solid. Mm-hmm. They don't concede very many goals at all. Their back line is really good. Mm. Um, where they lack is just a little bit of creativity to start to feed from midfield into those forwards. Yeah, uh, they're not. I don't um, think they'll go in for someone, and maybe even they'll go in for Spurs' Christian Eriksen and see if they can't turn his head again. Well, it depends on what Marino said when he's first come in the door. Now, as he said to uh, Vertonghen, Alderweireld, Danny Rose, uh, and, and Christian Eriksen, I'm here now. Do you want to play under me? Because if they've said, if he said that and they want to, and I'll throw Deli Ali into the mix on that as well, sure. because Deli Ali has turned his whole game around. Uh, Tom has been playing as a left back, and he looks yeah. quite comfortable. Well, he's comfortable there he's anyway. We know that because he did it at Ajax so and Belgium. But it's the fact that he's going in there and doing it, and even though. Spurs have conceded a few goals. It's more towards... I think it's more of a concentration thing right towards the end of games. Because like the, the Olympiacos won 2-0 down, turned it round fantastically. Um, the West Ham and the Bournemouth games, both 3-0 up and cruising. And then just let it back a little bit towards the end. But the, the, um, before those goals went in against Bournemouth and West Ham, Tottenham looked completely astute, really comfortable, that you know, they were passing it around the midfield, there was decent link up play, Deli Alley, you know, it's it's just been it had there has been a change since uh, since uh, uh, Mourinho's been there. Um the first goal though <laughs> I don't know if it's an absolute wonder strike or a bit of poor goalkeeping from Gazaniga, but Rashford, his confidence is so high at the moment. He's a good player. Mm. He's a very good player. Um and he's certainly starting to get a bit of form together at the right kind of time. Definitely. 12 goals in 13 games in all competitions, yep. club and country. And I still think his best position is not playing as a central striker. Mm-hmm. I do think um, they've got it right in this kind of, not quite a wide left forward, but that little kind of gap in between. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's perfect for Rashford to operate in. And he's very effective at it. At it. What they, they lack, as we said, is that just that creative influence in midfield to get on the ball and feed him a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I don't look at that Man United midfield and see any players that are proper Manchester United players in that midfield. I think I think McTominay is up there with it, but other than that, I can't see anyone in the middle of the park no. doing anything. They need to go out. The thing is, they went out and they got 
well, they, they sold Herrera, didn't replace him. You know, they with, with Lukaku, they sold him, didn't replace him. Yep. So they did the right thing getting in Maguire, spent far too much money for, for, for what he's worth, in my opinion, but that's what happens in football nowadays, so you can't really do anything about that. But they really need to focus on sorting their midfield out. And McTominay... Well, they've still got Pogba. Well, who knows when he's coming back? Is what he going to leave? Pogba? Yeah, well, Pogba, when he was, when he put him in a blue shirt, he is world class. Put him in a United shirt, is is nowhere to be seen. And like, when he was at Juve, he had two holding midfielders that were able to sweep up stuff and make challenges, whether it be um, uh, Marquisio, whether it be Pirlo, you know, and that just completely took the shackles off Pogba. So he was allowed to go and do whatever he wanted. And like we were saying earlier on about not getting direct assists, he was getting the assist of the assists. You know, he was able to do all that attacking work and create something. He was creating opportunities for others to get assists and others to get goals. I think his athleticism is probably one of his downfalls. Um, He's very athletic, very tall, very strong, um, quite quite good technically on the ball as well. Mm. But I think the temptation for that, particularly for managers that have managed a lot in the Premier League, is to suddenly make them a, a central midfielder of, of power and strength. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. going to control that part of the midfield. But whenever I've seen him play at his best, it's never playing in roundabout that D. Actually, he's much better further up the pitch. Yeah, exactly. So Gives him more freedom to run. And this, this, did that when he first came on board. That's very true. And this is what he was doing when he was at Juve. And this is what he does when he's wearing a French shirt. So why not, buy, when you buy someone, why not just play them to their strengths? And we'll talk about Arsenal later on. But like, <laughs> just make sure if you do that, you're actually going to do all right. And you're going to get the best out of the player. It's, have they done that? Because they know that midfield is a weak area and they're thinking actually we need your help, I need mate. to Come sacrifice back. you from being the best to just cover up the cracks here and paper it but he, when he comes back and comes deep he makes mistakes there and it's not the amount of, yeah exactly he, he loses it completely Delhi bagged again um, is, in, is in top form at the moment um, touch and flick for the goal lovely VAR tried to say it is and I weren't having any of that no, I, I lost, my, I lost my mind on that um, but then early in the second half, Sissoko, um, City challenge on Rashford. Um, he slots at home uh, for for two one, and Spurs just couldn't get in the game after that. Which it, it, it was it was it, it was weird. It was weird watching for how well that they've done in the in the early stages of Mourinho's reign. But Spurs will be completely fine. They're currently eighth. They're on twenty points, uh, three points off fifth spot. We won't really talk about top four because I think top four is sorted. Um, See, I'm not sure on that. You don't think the top no, four are sorted? No. No? No. I I can see some of the Mourinho factor coming in and it providing providing they are a little bit clever with what they do in January and clear house of the players that are causing some dressing room issues. Yeah. I think they may even sneak into the top four. So like they're they're nine points adrift of Chelsea in fourth. Um, Chelsea, they have lost two of the last five games. Um, one, yeah, you can sort of understand. Yeah. I but think the other Chelsea one, next anyway. So yeah, that's, that uh, cuts the gap. <clears throat> yeah, that could agree. cut the gap, um, and that could probably help Arsenal catch up a little bit as well. Uh, back on nine, uh, nineteen points. Um, a couple of quick games I just want to run through. Um, Sheffield United nil, Newcastle two. I, mean, I, I did not have that down whatsoever, but at, um, Maximum finally getting on the score sheet so that's his first goal for the club um, that made it 1-0 very early doors and then uh, John Joe Shelby 2-2 uh, two two. Uh, yeah. so he's, he's loving life at the moment he also wore the captain's armband just what do you think of the job that Steve Bruce is doing down at Newcastle um, I, I, I think if they're just looking to have a manager who's going to ensure that they maintain their Premier League status and then try and get them to a mid-table spot Steve Bruce is, is fine for that you know I think he's better than the championship manager He's not good enough to be a, a top ten manager, so it can almost perfect fit for Newcastle. It's perfect for Newcastle, exactly that. Um, I don't think they'll give him a lot of money to spend, no. um, or if he does, the players that are bought, I don't think he'll have that much influence on them. I think it will come from elsewhere. But um, I, I, I think it's fine. You know, they've lost six games this season out of fifteen. 
but they've also, you know, got a point out of Man City, you know, which is good. Yeah. They beat Man United, you know. So, you know, they've got they've got decent young players coming through. They just need to get Almiron scoring goals. That's what they need to do. And know. Joe uh, and Joe um, Joe Ellerton or Joe it. Linton, however you want to pronounce his name. I'm not a big fan of him though. Just looks like a bit of an old lump. Up yeah, it's, it's, it's like John Carew kind of, in the later days, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, it's very sort of mid to late nineties style of a striker. I don't think it's it's a modern striker as we would know it. But at the minute, it seems to be working for him. And yeah. to be honest, this compact system that they've got, they probably do need someone that's a little bit more up front body weight wise that can hold the ball up and bring other play people into especially play. when you've got Willems on one side and then you've got um, Kraft on the other side you know they're cr- contributing quite a bit to um, their attacking attacking moves so yeah not too bad for them um, they have only scored 15 goals in the Prem this season though I think that's they're, they're going to have to address that um, Crystal Palace won Bournemouth nil Sacco got a red card early doors um, I lumped heavily on Bournemouth at that point and lost money with Jeffrey Schlepp uh, scoring two goals in two games uh, for those guys um, Wolves 2 West Ham nil. and then Donker with the opener poor goalkeeping I feel sorry for, for Martin there he had a, a real good opening uh, well, opening start to his Premier League career but didn't really look he was at the, at the houses um, West Ham did have a opportunity to equalise with uh, with Snodgrass but I just felt like he had too much time on the ball and he just sort of like fluffed his lines and then Johnny's run um, Neto's layoff and Catrone scored to make it 2-0 and Wolves are looking very good and beating in their last nine Premier League games they're looking very good they're in fifth uh, coincidentally so they are yeah two games they've only lost two games this season they're they're looking good I don't think that can be too much of a surprise. Um, they had a very good season last season. Mm-hmm. They've not really changed a lot. No. Um, the manager certainly knows what he's doing. Yeah. And they've been very clever and astute with what they've bought and how they've set the size up. Um, I really like Wolves. I think they're another side which are have spent, okay, they've spent some money, but they've not spent anywhere near the extravagance that you've seen in the other sides in the top six. Yeah. Um, I do like them. I think they'll have another very good season. Mm, yeah, me too. Um, downstairs, we go back downstairs, um, and that is the six-pointer that was on uh, the other night. Southampton 2, Norwich 1. Um, both managers are on different paths at the moment. You know, Norwich, I don't think they had a great deal of expectation for this season. They Clearly, they want to stay up. But Southampton, I think they expected them to be a little bit better off than where they were. And Hasenhutl is under is under a bit of bit of pressure at the moment. Big win for him. Yeah, definitely a big win for him. Um, again, I think you have to look at some of these sides down the bottom, and a lot of the time they're down there for a reason. And it's either going to be because you're conceding too many and you're ropey at the back, mm. or you're literally not scoring enough goals. Yeah, and. Southampton for me fall into that category of they just don't seem to be able to score enough goals. Yeah. Um, they don't look too bad at the back, but there's just not the goal scoring exploits that you would need to mm. keep you up. Yeah, um, I think that Leicester game was a freak um, result. You know, I don't. They're not. They're not overly great at the back, but it was. It was quite a freak. That that sort of stuff doesn't happen every week. Um, Danny Ings is doing his best to to keep the goal scoring up though. He's not going to keep it up all season, though. Um, I, I fear for Southampton. I think they'll be well and truly in the mix for the whole season down there. Yeah. Um, Norwich, on the other hand, they're, they're kind of the surprise package for me. It's weird because they're, if you look at the table, I don't think it tells the story no. of Norwich. They play some really good football and they should have got a result against Arsenal at the weekend. They've beaten Man City. They're unlucky with a couple of VAR decisions against Manchester United. Yep. The second half performance in that game, opening game of the season against Liverpool, they, they lost 4-1 that game, but the second half was... They were the best what, side. Yeah, definitely. And that, the, the four goals that they conceded, I don't think they deserve to get such no, a hiding. I agree. And I, th- I like some of the players that have got there. Todd Cantwell's my boy, man. I, I like love him. him. I love really him so like much. Him. He's a brilliant player. He's... Uh, it's that cliche where you look at a club and you look at the player coming up and go, too good for that club. Yeah. He's going to move on and he will move on to bigger and better clubs. And I wouldn't be surprised if Pookie moves on to bigger clubs as well. Yeah, yeah, he's um, still got time. But you could say that for quite a few of their players. 
And then you've got the other kind of surprise packages where you look at things like you've got Tim Krull still keeping. Yeah, exactly. He was so, it was it is the injury that screwed him because he was bossing it at Newcastle yep. until that injury. It's so lucky that he um, had to go through that. He ended coming down a little bit, you know, but then he's, he's starting to come back and he's pulling off some really good saves. Um, Bertrand made it 2-0. Um, it was Long's header, um, uh, sort of like flicked on from, from Ward-Prowse's corner. Ward-Prowse can deliver a ball, can't he? I can. And certainly from dead balls, mm-hmm. I think he's very, very, very good. Probably one of the better ones. Um, yeah. Certainly in the Southampton side, he's the best at it. Yeah. Um, in the bottom half of the league, he's probably one of the best at yeah, it. Yeah, I can't, I can't think of anyone. Um, maybe Pascal Gross down there. But other than that, I can't think of anyone who could, who could whip a ball like well, him. And that might really save him. lit up this season, is he? No. Like, when you think of what he did last year, mm. uh, this year he's not really kicked on. He's not really moved up. I don't know how much of that is because of the change in manager and the change in approach. Yeah, they've changed the complete the formation is a lot different. This is what wound me up actually um, in the first couple of weeks of the season, and they were talking about Sheffield United going, oh, you know, they've got this brand new thing going on. They've got overlapping centre halves, this, that, and the other. They've not been seen in the Premier League. I'm like. We're three games into the season and Brighton have been doing this for all three of those games. Yeah. Why ain't anyone giving Graham Potter any praise? But, you know, it is what it is. Um, uh, Teddy, uh, he, um, his three ball found Pukki, uh, two and two for him now after going nine games without scoring. And then the last couple of moments, uh, um, Sam Byram had an opportunity to, to grab a point and take it back to Carrow Road, but just went over the bar um, right at the end. Um, right. I've been trying to put it off, but we're going to have to talk about it. Well, I'm going to, uh, yeah. Um, Arsenal 1, Brighton 2. Uh, <laughs> so, um, well, I mean, as a Spurs fan, obviously I was delirious at that point. So oh, yeah, I, of course, yeah. <laughs> but, I, was it, is it a sign of where Arsenal are at the minute? Um do you put it down to Brighton being in a good patch of form? Do you put it down to Arsenal being terrible at the back, quite frankly? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you have to put it down to both and look at everything. Um, well, Arsenal, the commentators um, said yesterday, um, the guys in red, um, 11, uh, 11 men, the guys in black, a team. Yes. And that's exactly what it was yesterday. Yeah. It was 11 individuals playing against a team and it was a very hard watch as an Arsenal fan and as a football fan um, from the from the Arsenal point of view. From the Brighton point of view, I was really impressed with them. They pressed high up. Um, they they were mixing. They had a lot of variation in their passing. They weren't afraid to attack at any point. And when they were one 0 up, they were still going for it. You know, I thought I thought they were pretty good. I think they've progressed certainly as a team since. The beginning of the season. Um, were you, I was were a you a bit skeptical. upset I when Hutton left? I thought he'd done a really good job with them. Me too. Um, and I was surprised that they wanted to get rid of him. But actually, at the minute, it seems to be a very good right decision. decision. Mm. And they seem to be moving in the right direction. Arsenal, on the other hand, I mean, you can get at that back line so easily. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the bit that worries me with, with Arsenal. The front players going forward... There's no doubt that they are a danger. Mm-hmm. Um, Aubameyang, Lacazette are two extremely good forwards. See, I love Lacazette. And Alex Osborne, who I, who I do the show with quite a lot, is one of the ma- um, main presenters. He's an Arsenal fan as well. He hates Lacazette. Every time he did something wrong yesterday, I'll be like, get off his back, mate. You know, like, he's a good player. You know, he needs a bit of help. He needs an arm around the shoulder. It's um it's it's hard work for Arsenal at the moment, but um yeah Dale Stevens scored the opener from a corner. It's weird because Arsenal were all, have always been ropey at centre at centre, um at set pieces. Sorry, last season only conceded two goals from corners, and this year it's just like every other corner, like it's going back to that sort of like 2010-11 era where we started to have our little dip, and yeah, it's Arsenal's Arsenal defending. I was explaining this the other day. Well, my missus, she she loves her sport. Football is probably her third, but she gets it. She like I could talk to her to have a genuine football conversation with her rather than you know some people go oh you kick the ball in the, in the, in the goal. Um, but I was saying I don't understand what Arsenal would do. They'll be like just say the opposition are attacking. They'll be sprinting, going for it, going for it, going for it to get goal side, and then stand there and try put a foot in. 
If you, you know? put a foot in or double up on someone, you know, like you, like, you, you, you play football still, you know, you, you, you can walk through um, a kids' pitch, a park pitch, vets' league, you know, and you, you'll see people putting a foot in and winning the ball. You know, if you don't win the ball, you know, just try and edge them off or something. Arsenal don't do that, and it's getting on my nerves. I think part, I think VAR plays a part with that, certainly in the box. Because defenders are now having to really it's change been, how they work. This has been happening for a couple of seasons now under Arsenal. So VAR 100% getting involved in that. But it's, I don't, like, just just put a foot in. That's all I want. But those leaders and characters for Arsenal haven't been there really since the Invincibles went. Mm. You know, Torreira kind of came in and last season you start to see him kind of start that process of having mm. a midfielder that was going to be your little general mm. you know, he was going to be the combative type he was going to get the ball back yeah. he was going to make sure and he no did, one got and he through looks and really he looked really good, good at it he's not been there anywhere near as prolific this season he hasn't been nope. I know he's had his knocks and but the manager doesn't seem to really have the faith in him anymore either which is yeah. a bit of a worry for me but what they brought in are not characters that are leaders you know 7 million pounds for um, David Louise. David Louise. Cheap. Let's put it. But they just spent seventy-two million on Pepe when you could have dreadful, and then bought um, a centre half who's eighteen, fair enough, for thirty million, and load him straight back. Yeah. I, I, there were <laughs> other players in the market that I think would have brought that. Could have got Cahill then. Cahill was on a free. Could have got him for free. He's only thirty-two. He's exactly. Age. Just it's bring ridiculous. him in. Yeah. But they haven't got those characters, and you wouldn't have had that historically. Arsenal sides were so hard. To get at that back line. It was impossible to break down at times, weren't it? But it was because they had leaders on the pitch. And you can throw so many players in there. You had your Keowns, Adams, Vieiras, Petit. They were all... Sol Campbell. Judas. (laughs) (laughs) Judas Campbell. The thing is, Arsenal had that back four in in, in the 90s. And everyone was like, oh yeah, Wenger inherited that. Yeah, he did. And then he he adapted it. Because that back four... Um, that he had in 2004 was nothing. No, it wasn't. You know, it was a different back four. Yeah, exactly. Lauren and Cole and then um, Torre and Campbell. That was that is different to Adams, Bold, slash Keown, Winterburn and, and Dixon. But they both still had the same idea of where they wanted to go. There were two back fours that didn't move. They were rigid as hell. But like, when... But the game has moved on. So, you know, it has. your fullbacks now are not going to be rigid fullbacks. True. But then but. your back, your, your defence can still move. Like Your your, your um, fullbacks, I'll tell you the perfect example of this, Liverpool. Their two centre-halves, they are staying. Their fullbacks go bombing forward. Who's sitting there? Just someone, anyone. It could be Genie. It could be... If you just come and sit down. Liverpool have got this kind of, almost like a bank of six. Because you've got the two centre-halves that sit. Mm. One of the fullbacks will normally sit. They won't both bomb at the same time. Yeah, that's it's right. a pivot system where one goes and the other stays. And then you've got the midfield that will just sit. And yeah. that's all they do is they sit in front. Mm. Henderson seems to be more kind of willing to move a bit further forward now. Which well, is a good yeah, progress exactly. In the game. Yeah, he's can't go forwards again. But actually, they're there to shield. So you have a very solid, stiff block. Mm. Arsenal, I don't see any of that at the minute. And they're so easy to play through. Yeah, it is, it's scary. It is, it is, it's hard. It's hard work. Um, Arsenal did get an equaliser. Lundberg definitely said something at half time, and it showed because the second half, the first 10 15 minutes, they were going at it. That Arsenal were in full control of the game. Um, Lacazette did score at, at that point, uh, then David Luiz. Oh, what a lovely finish! Um, and I saw it, I was like, I, I wanted to celebrate, but I was like, that's VAR, that he looks about a mile off. And then before um, they, they showed the first still of it, and he was like, a good three, four yards. Like goal side, I was thinking, uh, like, uh, like, um, like, I was thinking, do you know what? He's timed that one beautifully, and he's ran through too early, and the ball's got lofted over, and he's shagging the goalkeeper by the time he's actually put it in. Um, so that goal um, was disallowed, rightfully so. Um, Mopai, what a header! What a glorious, glorious header! Um, gl- gl- I love those glancing finishes. No goalkeeper in the world saving that, um, but that is not. That is not to take away how poor the performance was from Arsenal, and they are in serious, serious trouble. I, I don't think it's a case of if Emery will lose his job. I think it's when. Uh, no, Emery's gone. Oh, sorry, Emery's gone. Um, no. yeah. But 
who do they bring in to replace Emery? Oh, it's it it could go it could go any direction. You know, it's look. I I I was talking to to Alex about this the other day. He wants Arteta. I don't want Arteta. I would have had him when Wenger left, but we need to. I don't think we need to think thinking about some like young manager or anything like that. What what Arsenal really need to be doing right now is thinking about the now and finding someone who has got the experience, who's able who's able to steady the ship, sort things out for a year and a half because Emery can't steady his ship. Three league seasons at, at Sevilla, fifth, fifth and seventh. Two league seasons in France, second and first with PSG. And he struggled in that second season to win the title. That is not someone who's going to help take Arsenal forward. You know, it, they need a proven leader, a proven winner. There's talk of um, um, Simeone at the moment because things aren't going too right that way you want him there. I, I, I don't know. It's... I can't see him going to Arsenal. I, his style is so different to what Arsenal fans are used to watching. I, I can't see that happening. I think Arsenal need to change. They need to shake up. I would happily go, I'll go get George Graham back. The problem is when you move <laughs> from a, a manager that is playing an attacking style of football to one that's playing a defensive style of football, mm. the number of players that they need to change is mm. massive. And that invariably throws you back into another transitional period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the results will be all over the place. So I don't think that's what they need. Mm. Um, I go against this need to constantly looking for European managers to come in. There's some really, really, really good British managers yeah. that I think would jump need a chance. chance and need a chance. Um, I know we always, we talk a lot about Eddie Howe. Mm. I think he's done a good which I thought he job. I thought he was um, in situ to be. Uh, the next Tottenham manager. I thought yeah. Potts was going to stay there to the end of the season. Yeah, he'll go to Real Madrid. Eddie Howe then comes in, yep. and then there's a new young manager from wherever, from League One or League Two, that or would that would then go to Bournemouth, or like someone will like make a step up, or Steve Cook retires and becomes like a manager. Like, that's what I thought that the path was going to be. But Mourinho going to Spurs is completely it's thrown, it's it's thrown, thrown everything out, hasn't it? It really has thrown it out of the works. But I think Eddie Howe for me is one of those that really does need a big club. Mm. Um, I know he loves Bournemouth and he's been there and he's already come out and said look I don't want the Everton job I love Bournemouth I'm, I'm, em- I'm embarrassed by Everton is the direct quote from Eddie yeah. Howe which I think is brilliant <laughs> if Arsenal came calling would he jump and I have to say if you've got ambition he probably would is he going to win anything at Bournemouth no, is he going to get European football? Maybe an FA Cup or a League Cup one year. Oh, I don't think But that's, he will. That's, that's all that you're going to really expect from, from Bournemouth. And that's no disrespect to Bournemouth. That's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. Um, we haven't spoken about the final game, actually. Um, it was just a goal, a game of bangers. It was Burnley 1, uh, Manchester City 4. Um, the only goal that wasn't really a banger was uh, Robbie Brady's. Uh, consolation in the 87th minute the other the other three uh, other four sorry I just thought were just absolutely special Jesus is opener he looks like he's going to put it out for a throw in and he's just bent it around and it's gone in and he hasn't scored in 10 games club and country so he's not played that many games though either really over the start of the season but still still to not score in, in 10 games yeah, 10 appearances it's a big gap, it it's, it's, a big it's, gap. It's, a, it's a lot whether you're coming on as a sub or not so um, for him to uh, for that to happen he just thought Do you know what mate I'm gonna I'm gonna bag two um, how's that and his confidence was sky high after that Bernardo Silva's cross and the way Jesus volleyed that into the top of the net I just thought that that is someone playing with confidence because everyone else would just sort of like try and glance it or pass it in is six, seven yards out and he's literally lashed it. Um, Rodri, after a bit of bouncing around on the edge of the box, thought, hold my beer, if you think that goal was good. And um, he's absolutely slapped it into the, top of, into the top of the net. And I was just thinking, Nick Pope, mate, you you have no chance whatsoever. And then Mares um, with his wrong peg, as well, I was just like, "Wow, that was that 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 was pretty shiny." Um, but yeah, that's um, that's that's that really for um, what's been happening during the week. Um, this weekend, the Premier League is back already, so this is game day. Um, well, yeah, game day sixteen, so to speak. Because um, I like my NFL stuff, so I do like to talk with an American sort of style sometimes. Um, you've got um, Bournemouth. 
uh, versus Liverpool, and that's at uh, at three o'clock. Oh, there's a lunchtime game: Everton versus Chelsea. Yeah, so that kick off tomorrow. That'll be very interesting. That's on BT Sport. Um, Spurs versus Burnley, uh, Watford versus Crystal Palace, and then the Manchester derby uh, tomorrow evening. Uh, and then Sunday, this is what's doing my head in about the fixtures at the moment. You've got three games at two o'clock. Um, Newcastle Southampton very interesting game um, the Alan Shearer derby I like to call it um, Norwich versus Sheffield United and then the TV game is Villa Leicester which is fine I want to watch that game but what just stagger the stagger the games or stick a game on Monday or something you know it's not fair or put it all on Amazon and I'll pay my seven ninety nine and then um then you've got um, a free trial and then you've got to pay for the next thirty days yeah and then that's that's yeah exactly plan it right and then you you got your Boxing Day fixtures in there and then it's Brighton Wolves that's the TV game on Sky Sports uh, at four thirty and then. Um, Arsenal in their torrid form go um, to the London Stadium to try and turn their fortunes around and I can't see that happening. Uh, I don't know. West Ham are not in great form either. This is Arsenal we're talking about here. It's West Ham we're talking about. Mm, Fair point. So yeah, that could be... It'll either be one of those where there is goals flying in because neither team can defend Um, or it'll be just a terrible game to watch. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it's going to be a horrid 1-0 win to West Ham and it'll be like a Mikel Antonio like bounce off his knee 87th minute. With another dance and celebration. Indeed. In. Well, thank you very much, Mr Buckster, for uh, doing the show with me today. It's Gav Matt for Two Up Top, uh, recorded from Stalker Studio in uh, King's Heath in Northampton in association with the Mail Coach, my favourite booze in the whole of Northampton. Make sure you get down there over Christmas and if you are spending Christmas in New York, make sure you get to McHale Sports Bar and Grill. It is the best boozer in the whole of New York City, in my opinion. Well, as in like a pub. Like there's other clubs and bars that you could go to, but you have to go to McHale's and go and say hi to cabs. Thank you and good evening. <laughs>